Welcome to the Man Up, Man Down podcast, presented by Volker Baluda and David Pawsey. We discuss the pressures and challenges faced by men approaching middle age that we're often too embarrassed to speak about with our friends. You can find us online at www.manupdown.com. Enjoy the show and don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review. So welcome listeners to another episode of Men Up, Men Down. So today I'm very pleased to welcome, or we are very pleased to welcome, it's not only me, David is here with me as well, of course, to welcome Roy Samuel. Roy has founded two companies, one called Real Sport, which got acquired, and then he is the founder of Connected. And for full disclosure, I'm an investor in Connected, and I'm doing work with Connected, and I think it's a fantastic company. And I'm not just saying that because he's a guest here. Um, so we can touch on that. So Real Sport grew to a community of over 8 million monthly unique users across the UK, US, and Australia, was acquired in 2018. And after spending time as an investor, Roy realized that many of the frustrations he felt as a founder were also true as an investor and startup advisor. There was a distinct lack of diversity and accessibility in investing opportunities for startups. All the same types of deals were going to the same group of investors stifling innovation for both the founders and potential investors. So he found it connected. So I'm sure he will tell us all about it in a, in a minute. And what we want to talk about, we don't only want to talk about connected. We want to talk about, let's say, his journey um, of becoming a two-times founder, but having dyslexia and ADHD. Um, he says, and, and I quote this, and I hope I quote this correctly, Roy, so otherwise please correct me in a minute. The power behind neurodivergent founders is that they build workplaces that understand that people's brains work differently. And the power behind neurodivergent teams, team members, is a diversity of thought, which I think is absolutely spot on and fantastic. Enough about me. Roy, welcome to our podcast. David Volker, thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited to be here. So tell us, I, I read out this, this long rather longer intro, but there's, so, you know, if I say you only founded two startups, right? Uh, <laughs> but you, you had a few challenges on the way, you know, obviously, namely what, what we want to look at today is dyslexia and ADHD. But um, I mean, we, we all know Richard Branson, right? He's dyslexic. A lot of dyslexic people are very successful. You know, I don't know if there's a, you know, causation there or not. But what's your story? Yeah, well, I think it's a, a really, really interesting point in terms of the amount of amazing stories I've, I've come across of people with dyslexia, with ADHD, being really, really successful. And I think it's because if you can, and this is such a key point, if you can harness the power of these neurodiverse ways of thinking, because obviously there are so many downsides with it as well, and, and lots of traps that you can fall into on that side. But if you can make it work for you, especially with dyslexia, it means you see patterns. You know, you see patterns in places where you shouldn't be looking for patterns because that's the way that you've learned to read, for example. Or with ADHD, if you can, you know, access that part of you which wants to hyperfixate and has so much energy, if you can channel that into something constructive and something which you can really drive forward, these are the sorts of things which totally give you a competitive edge. And I think it's one of the reasons why, um, you know, you do hear so many of those stories of, of people with neurodiverse ways of thinking uh, going on to, to do really interesting and uh, wonderful stuff. I mean, it's... So, you know, my I'm a, a copywriter slash digital marketer. I work with a lot of startups myself. And I mean, I 
there's quite a few people where I'm, well, founders, where I'm like, you've got ADHD. And, and I'm like, I wonder if they know they've got ADHD. But, it, you know, it, it, it does seem to be a um, quite a common trait in, you know, entrepreneurs. And I think there's, you know, there's several sides to that, which, well, you know, and you can tell me about your experiences. But I think, A, it's almost like the education system wasn't built for them, which like is, is a huge bugbear of mine now, especially now my daughter's at secondary school. But it's also that sort of, you know, constant new ideas, which, well, in a classroom scenario, it's, oh, they never pay attention. They never sit, well, never sit still. And I think that that's almost like a, not a myth, but, you know, it's almost like, oh, well, you can't have ADHD because, you know, don't run around like a me. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, you know, anyway, that's that's my ramble as I like to do. But so when, I mean, when did you discover you had dyslexia and ADHD? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's um, j- just before we get into that, you're so right. The amount of people who have said, well, you don't have ADHD, but you seem, you know, you, you're just sitting most of the time. You don't seem to be running around. It's like, yeah, it's not, that's not how it works. But, but yeah, totally. so, so I, I was diagnosed with dyslexia at, at six years old. So it was clear very, very quickly because I was really struggling to read. And, and my dad actually uh, was dyslexic as well. And, and although, you know, for him, that was something he wasn't even aware of till he was, you know, didn't realize it was dyslexia uh, until his 40s because he never went to, you know, have that checked. He realized it in me from a very, very young age. But we actually didn't get the ADHD diagnosis until I was 15. And at that stage, I was on the verge of being kicked out of school. Uh, it was exactly that, you know, couldn't concentrate, couldn't focus, you know, exactly as you said, David, with the ADHD brain, the idea of, you know, sitting and listening and being, you know, talked at for three hours in a, you know, unengaged way, there's no way you can process that information, you know, there's mm. no way that you can take those things on board and, and therefore, you know, especially as a as child, or as a teenager, your mind's going to wander and, and go to all, all sorts of different places. So yeah, it can, can really, really resonate with that. After I got the ADHD diagnosis, I did go on, on medication for a little while. And I felt the reason for that was because, again, as you said, you know, the education system was not designed with neurodiversity in mind. And the only way I could get through, the only way I could go from, you know, being on the verge of being expelled to getting to university was to conform to the ways the education system wanted me to. Obviously, there's no way of changing the education system, unfortunately, to make it more accommodating. So I had to go down that route. But it took away a lot of the things that I do see as a superpower from neurodiversity. A lot of that energy, enthusiasm, optimism, drive that you have with ADHD totally disappeared when I was taking the medication. Um, and then, you know, came off the medication a few years after school when I realized how much of an impact it was ha- having on me in a way that I didn't want it to. Uh, but I think as a testament to how, you know, uh, how much you have to change your brain to get through the education system if you're not geared that way, which is which is a real shame. So, so what was your career path? I mean, you've obviously founded two successful companies. You know, uh, we've sort of said that the academic route isn't you know well i think and that's another thing about entrepreneurs is you know often they haven't sort of gone through the full education system um so yeah what was your sort of route and process and journey yeah so i mean i i do love to learn i i I love to learn still to this day and i'm trying to learn as much as possible but as you can imagine that doesn't look 
like studying in a traditional way, right? So I, I, I studied the subjects I studied because I, I, I loved them. I wanted to become a diplomat. That was what I, I really thought I, I wanted to do in life. Um, and then I realized I wasn't very diplomatic, so we ended up in fine. But that actually happened quite organically, to be fair. Um, but, you know, I was, I was fascinated by that side of things. But then, you know, with the ADHD, I could never just focus on studying. So I was always building businesses, whether it was running events, running trips. So um, at Nottingham University, we had a Chinese campus. So I started running bus trips for Chinese students to go to Amsterdam, to go to Paris. I was just doing all different things because, you know, I had the energy and the, the, the oomph to go and just try lots of different things. And then I started podcasting. And this was back in 2012. And there was no money in podcasting then, or at least perceived to be anyway. And this was really before monetization of online content exists in the way that we have now. So you're not as filthy rich as uh, me and Volker are off this well, exactly, podcast. Again, exactly that. So, I was about to say there's still no money in podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. So me and my friend were, were running this podcast and then we decided to see if we could start pivoting that into helping other people create content as well. Because we could see that loads of people wanted to create content, but they were doing it in very, very fragmented ways. So we took the sports market first. Uh, this is back when, you know, every every man and his dog had a sports blog, every person's dog had a sports blog, but they were getting six views a month. So he said, right, if we can give people tools for creating content, but centralize them in one place, give them the ability to create blogs, videos, podcasts, whatever it is, and then giving them tools for social amplification. Um, so sharing through Facebook, sharing through Twitter, sharing through Twitch, then we could start really giving people the ability to build their own following, whatever it might be. And, you know, it's pretty standard now, but it was actually quite bleeding edge technology back in 2013. Uh, and we got really, really fortunate because it was uh, just when sports journalism was blowing up in a big way on Twitter. It was just when gaming content was blowing up in a big way on Twitch. Twitch was a platform which went on to be acquired by Amazon. And we were a bit of right time, right place. So people were utilizing what we built um, rather organically because we couldn't make any money doing our podcast uh, to then, you know, create content for other for other distribution channels. And, and we got very, very fortunate with that. Went to over 8 million monthly active users, as, as Volker was saying, and uh, then acquired by a gaming company in 2018. So, I mean, you, you've talked a lot there about, you know, the positive aspects of ADHD. I mean, one of the things that I picked up on is that... Um, you talked about natural positivity, which I'd say is certainly, I mean, well, just to, to clarify, I've not had an ADHD diagnosis. It's a long story. I've had an Asperger's, a private Asperger's diagnosis. I'm, I've been on an NHS waiting list for uh, six years now. But, you know, from and over that time, as Volker says, I've, I've, I've done a lot of research. And, and you know, and, and I'd say that, and I know that it is, you know, a, a thing that there is sort of a, you know, yet you can have highs and lows, um, you know, not quite bipolar, but, and, and I'd say I'm someone that does experience the lows, you know, I, I procrastinate, you know, I, yeah, if it's something that I'm not, you know, completely into, then I really struggle. So, I mean, by the sounds of it, a lot of it was, you're like, right, well, I'll just focus on the things that I do enjoy. For sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. And that, that was always the, the one of the big frustrations of my teachers is, you know, you, you couldn't stop me if I was interested in something, but that often wasn't what they were teaching me. 
Uh, but 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 exactly that. So I knew from a very early age because of my experiences at school, the idea of of getting a job was it was just not a thing for me because I I at least my experience at school made me feel like there's no way I can go into a traditional structure. You know, I'm not going to thrive in that environment. So for me, it was just a no brainer to try and figure out my own things. And I saw that my with my dad's my dad undiagnosed ADHD, but certainly had it. Um, where, you know, again, he was always doing different things, creating small businesses, looking for new opportunities because just didn't fit into those structures. Um, so yeah, that's totally it. But you're also right in terms of the highs and lows. You know, it'd be unfair for me to say it's all it's all unrelenting positivity at all times. And one of the most useful things for me while doing my own research on ADHD, part of the cognitive behavioral therapy is looking at the different types of thinking associated with ADHD. And, you know, you've got magical thinking where... Nothing's changed from the day before, but the world is your oyster and you can do anything to the next day. Nothing's changed. You know, objectively, all the situations are the same, but, you know, you're a total failure, right? And there's, there's no getting up. So, but, but doing the research around it and understanding, okay, this is a type of thinking associated with ADHD. This is why I feel like that. That's really, really useful. And, and doing the research and, and trying to identify that has really, really helped. So... I, I have a question. Sorry, Dana, I'm going to jump in there because I, I don't have ADHD. You know, if I say I'm, you know, I'm going to say it, but, you know, people are going to hate me for it. I'm normal, right? Whatever fucking normal means, right? I'm not normal. Jeez, yeah, no, no one's normal. Don't worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with ADHD, as, as, as you explained earlier, right? People think, oh, yeah, you're all over the place. You know, you're running around, you know, focus, non-focus, high lows. You know, we, we, we had people who was ADHD and depression, ADHD, obviously, and, and dyslexia, et cetera. You 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 run a successful company, right? And I mean, I advise startup founders all the time, and I see how much pressure they're under. You know, one day, or if I say one day, one minute, you you need to do your accounting sheet, right? Preparing something for 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 finance and you know investors, and and you know then then you prepare the pitch deck, and you have to make a decision on marketing. So you're constantly in something different. So, I mean. How do you cope? How do you manage? I mean, do, do you have like five PAs or, you know, do you do it all yourself? <laughs> yeah, it's a, a really good one. And I think one of the most important things as a founder in general, and especially as a founder who has ADHD, is you've got to be hyper real about your weaknesses. Yeah. You've got to be hyper real about what actually you're not going to do very well. So for me, having an incredible COO absolutely key i'm not sure if either of you guys are football fans but i'll use this analogy because i always use it for claudia yeah who's my coo she's like the n'golo kante of my life in terms of you know allows me to get forwards do all the creative stuff because she is there at the back making sure everything needs to get done um so you know you've got to have a really good cadence and you've got to make sure that you're you're filling in those those blind spots as you do i think as a founder in general um, but yeah, you know, in the early days, it's really, really tough. In the early days, if you don't have that infrastructure. Maybe it is just you by yourself. Um, yeah, you've got to really try and stay disciplined. So I think there are things that you can do in life to try and improve that discipline, good sleep schedule, waking up early, not drinking, doing all those things where it's like, right, if I know I'm going to have to focus at this period of time, what are the things that I can control? I can't control my, my ADHD. Yeah. What are the things that I can control? They're going to try and create optimum situations so that if I'm like, right, this is going to be a, a really difficult two weeks because we're doing 
you know, end of your accounts or creating a pitch deck, whatever it might be, then, then doing those things is, is going to be beneficial as well. Yeah. So do you have like routines and practices that, that help you keep things in check? I mean, for me, mindfulness is something we've talked a lot about on this podcast. I mean, I've, I've had a couple of weeks where I have just felt completely out of control and funnily enough, that always coincides with when my mindfulness practice has dropped off. Yeah. So I've I've got back into that. I mean, getting out, walking the dog, well, getting out for a walk without the dog sometimes. But, you know, it, it, it's all... And again, it's like, well, some days those things work. And I'm like, right, I could get back to the desk and get on with it. And other days it's like nothing's working. So, um, so yeah, how what, what are your routines? What are your tools? Yeah, how do you cope? Yeah, I think the, the mindfulness and meditation piece really is key, you know, and, it, and it's so difficult with ADHD, right? Doing that, focusing on one thing for an extended period of time, it's like painful. You know, when the ADHD is firing and it's like, right, I need to focus on my breath and do nothing else. It's, it's difficult. You know, it's really hard. But that sort of practice is great. But and I know this sounds crazy. I've got to be up by 5 a.m. If I'm not up by 5 a.m., I'm not going to sleep that night. You know, I've got to start getting the energy out. I've got to start getting the focus out really. Early. If I sleep until 9, I'm not getting back to sleep till 3 a.m. You know, so it's it's, it's, and it's it's painful. You know, it's painful at times and it's it's really like antisocial and it seems backwards. Like I, that I you know, will avoid a lie in as much as possible um, because, you you know, I've got to, got to do those things. But also, you know, not drinking, um, you know, avoiding like really high sugar high processed foods like all those things i feel really do impact um the ability to focus yeah i mean that that's i mean i, I sort of have a, a mixed relationship with coffee in that you know i find that that it helps me focus but you know that if if i have coffee well if i have a if i have too much and also if i drink caffeine after a certain time then you know i'm and and and, i mean lack of sleep i find is it is what sets everything off whether you know that's anxiety or adhd however you describe it you know i know that if i haven't had decent sleep it you know it's fundamental you know it's, it's the building block for sustainable mental health sustainable focus you know it's it's I was actually reading something the other day. So if you have a bad night's sleep, and it's just, it's, you know, very short-term impact, but they've actually done tests where people are presenting as pre-diabetic just for the day after a terrible night's sleep because that's the impact on the body. You know, it's, really? It's, yeah, it's insane. When you read, and when you read things about, like, the impact of alcohol on quality of sleep, if you have over five drinks, you have, on average, less than five minutes of REM sleep at night. You know, so yeah. all these things are the half-life of coffee. So I love coffee as well, uh, but definitely a morning drink, you know, midday, 1 p.m. It's got to be the cough because the half-life and the impact it has on sleep. And then it's, you know, listen, everyone can have a bad night's sleep every now and then. But the impact over a year, if you're doing all these things to optimize sleep and the impacts on performance and productivity, like it, it changes your life genuinely. Yeah. How, how do you cope with not drinking? Um, I'm not <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, we we had this topic on the podcast by a lot, as I'm asking. I mean, yeah. I gave up caffeine actually, right? So I, I was thinking caffeine or, or or alcohol, and I gave up caffeine because 
you know, it, it didn't do as much for me. Although I love coffee and I found really good decaf coffee that tastes like coffee. But I can't imagine giving up alcohol, especially, and, and it sounds really terrible. And we, we had a few speakers on here about alcohol and, and alcohol addiction. But almost like with, with stress levels, right? There's nothing like a glass of wine at the end of the day. I mean, but as you say, right, two or three glasses. And, and again, we talked about that in terms of measuring sleep performances. You know, I, I measure it through Garmin. And, you know, so, sometimes if I had too many, I actually go into three hours of deep sleep. But I'm sure it's not resting deep sleep, right? It's, it's probably just conked out. But yeah, I mean, you know, do, do you not drink at all or? Yeah, I don't drink at all now. It's um, But it's interesting because I, I used to think the same thing is, you know, how do you take the edge off? Yeah. What happens is, and I, you know, I wish I had a, a deep, in, you know, uh, background in neuroscience or, or biochemistry to give you like the hardcore yeah. facts. I can give you the anecdotal ones, which are after a extended period of not drinking, you find that actually the some of the stress that you take off from alcohol, the body doesn't get stressed in the same way. And you don't find that the stress is it gets to that point where it needs relief in that sort of way. So it's when yeah. you're drinking alcohol, it becomes a crutch, right? It becomes, you know, yeah. you're stressed, you take the edge off that way. And it's just it's almost something that we tell ourselves eventually. So yeah. I find that, you know, by by not drinking, having better sleep constantly. You know, it actually reduces the stress. So it, it, it's not the same impact of that immediate hit of having a drink and, and taking the edge off for sure. But you just find like, the way the body feels, the way that it deals with stress when you're sleeping properly every night or you're, and you're exercising every day, doing all those things. Yeah. You have a totally different relationship with stress. Man Up, Man Down is sponsored by Welldoing. As someone who has seen a counsellor for a number of years, I think their approach is great. They want you to find the mental health professional who is right for you. You can filter your search to highlight therapists with expertise where you need it, or you can pay to use their personalised matching service. The people who run Welldoing are experts in mental well-being, and they also have loads of posts and interviews to keep your mental health in good shape. Take a look at welldoing.org. It's interesting, because we, we spoke, we had William Porter on, um, on the podcast. You know, he wrote a book, Alcohol Explained, and he explained when you drink alcohol, yes, it, it kind of like you get rid of the stress, but then you create an anxiety again. So you drink a little bit more to combat that. And that's how the addiction obviously starts. And, you know, luckily I'm in control. And I, I totally, you know, if I say I'm not a respect for people who gave up drinking and we had few people, obviously, of course, William Porter doesn't drink, right? But, uh, you know, we had other people as well. Fiona, for instance, um, talking about, you know, not drinking and being sober. I mean, I, I still have a good relationship with alcohol, but it's... You know, it's, I mean, William said it. He says, you know, you have to ask yourself, right? Does it serve you, right? And I always think in a, in a high-paced environment as a founder, I I mean, you know, if, if I consult consult founders and I need need my glass of red, right? I mean... <laughs> That's more stressful. Having to deal maybe, with founders is more stressful <laughs> than being a clown. I can tell you that much. Maybe, um, maybe that's what it is, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but no, I think the question of does it serve you is, is the right one to ask. Yeah. And it's like, I could have a drink, but I know actually the anxiety or the impact on sleep is actually going to make tomorrow worse. So it's just trying to have a bit more like of a long-term view on it. Um, but but it, it's a really interesting one. You know, I... I, I I stopped drinking last year. You know, yeah. so this is 
make maybe in five years time, I'll be like, no, actually, there's some really stressful moments where you just need that glass of wine. So I'll keep you in the loop with it. But right now, <laughs> and maybe it's, you know, maybe it is the honeymoon period of the first year of, of not drinking and maybe you'll you yeah. know, feel those um, positives a bit more. But for me right now, I, I, you know, the way that I deal with stress, the way that you can, you know, often you have the drink because of an issue and how you deal with that issue is worse off because of the trick right it's like oh you know i'm so stressed because i've got this big pitch tomorrow whatever it is actually it's going to just exacerbate what's stressing you in the first place and that's where i'm at with it right now but but you know life is long and i'll let you know where i am within a couple years so um i don't know if you know about my experience but um i so i had well well over a year off alcohol primarily because of the anxiety and again, I, you know, I was only really like a, a weekend drinker and, you know, I'd, I was a member of a triathlon club. So I was up at half five on a Saturday, you know, don't go and do training. Then by midday, it's like, oh, you know, I've done my exercise. I'm going to have, let's go and have a family pint. And then six pints later. <laughs> um, but I, I'd find the, you know, the, the lack of sleep um, and, you know, it would be, Tuesday, well, Wednesday, even like before I fell back on top of things. And I mean, I, I did it through a group one year, no beer. So like, well, last year, you know, I had a couple of friends that, that passed away, um, which alcohol was a factor. I don't know if it was the factor, but you know, I was just like, actually, I think I need a break again. So, you know, last year I was drinking about once a month. During the summer, that escalated. Then I sort of eased off again, and then over Christmas, and I mean, I've I've had dry January. Um, and, you know, at the moment, I'm I I don't really feel like the need to drink, but I you know I I have difficulty socialising. So I mean, you know, and, and I mean, one of the things that we discussed with William was, um, I mean, he said that he'd been in the military and he was a, a lawyer, and you know, and I said, oh, they, they all sound like quite hard drinking industries. And then I said, well, actually, as I've said that, I can't think of any industry that doesn't have a reputation as, as being hard drinking. So I mean, it, it, in sort of that aspect, you know, with networking, socialising, I mean, did you struggle with that? Yeah, do you know what? I actually, I think that the networking part is is fairly easy because my life is just pitching connected any given opportunity. Mm. Right? So I can actually just go into that mode, but the socializing part is more difficult. You know, and you start looking at friendships and you're like, oh, well, you know, I'm just, what do I do with this person? I go to the pub, you know, so that, that bit's the really hard part is when you've built up relationships which fundamentally revolve around having a drink, that's where it's really, really difficult, right, to reassess those relationships. But ultimately, if you're doing it for selfish reasons, i.e. I'm doing this because either drinking doesn't serve me well or I want to get better at this or I want to, you know, feel with a bit of a clearer head, then you've got to you've got to try and be true to that. And it, and it is difficult. And, and you're, you know, you are going to miss out on certain things. Mm. As, as, as you all know, there's, very few things less fun than being you know, around drunk people. Yeah, exactly. Than being talked at by someone who's really, really drunk when you're sober. So I think you just get to be at peace with it, where you're like, well, actually, I don't feel like I'm missing out that much, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I sort of, well, A, 
you know, whilst I'd all, always sort of been into exercise, you know, I felt my exercise, you know, that that took a lot more. Well, I remember like, and it was, I don't know why, you know, it. well, I guess it just got to a point where I felt, you know, it's it's not serving me. Um, but it also coincided with my 40th birthday, all my friends' 40th birthdays. And so, you know, all these people that I was at university with, at college with, the people that I was drinking heavily, well, been drinking heavily with pretty much all my life. And, it, you know, and I'm not, it's not like, oh, well, you're no longer my friends. But, um, it, yeah, I'd, I'd sort of go along. And then after a few hours, it's like, all right, well, I'm going to go home now. Yes. And, I mean, I remember one in particular where, the next day I had a half marathon sort of along the Thames and it and it was like all all through Kingston where I'd gone to university where I'd met all the people that I'd been out with the night before and and I remember well I actually ran past the pool of sick at one point you know and it was just almost like you know on one hand I'm like oh I missed out on a night last night but you know I'm I'm sort of feel but yeah, you know, my I feel my more my morning's probably going a lot better than theirs is. Yeah, yeah. But then afterwards, you know, you're like, oh, it sounds like it, it turned into a messy night, as in, you know, they then went to someone's house and, and 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 it's like, oh, I missed out on that. But then it's like, well, actually, you know, I've got to the end of the week and 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 I've got stuff done. Rather yeah. than thinking, oh, you know, that week was a write off. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and I think, you know, it's I don't think anyone arrives at not drinking without them knowing at a certain level that actually they're better off without it. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, for example, if you know, Volker, as you're saying before, you can have a glass of wine, then uh doesn't make any you know there's nothing but I think if you get to a stage where it's like, well, actually drinking, even if it's not a big one, but it's having a sufficient enough impact on my life that I'm considering it means well you know deep down that you probably should mm. yeah exactly and uh you know you you mentioned you know if i say i, I, I like talking about alcohol of course um but <laughs> you know let's talk so much about alcohol we, we uh, then again we don't talk enough about alcohol but you mentioned the 5 a.m routine as well so what what what's, what's your morning routine then like so you get up at five you meditate or what you exercise yeah. yes you don't drink no don't yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, get a couple of beers in before work yeah yeah exactly I'm not before work. because i i have a 5am routine right and and to your point right if you have a few drinks at night even if you have one or two glasses right and um, i still wake up at five right i often wake up a lot sooner anyway because you know things go on in your brain you know um, at, at my age, you know, you need to go to the loo and then you can't go back to sleep. So, you, you know, you, you get up at 4.30 and you're going like, you know, if, if you had a glass of wine or two, you know, then you go like, actually, you know, you, you can't even stop it, right? You're awake and you're like, fuck, you know, I can't even go back to sleep now for another, you know, three or four hours until I can take a nap, right? Yeah. So what's, what, what's, what's your typical day look like then? Yeah, no, exactly. I think you're you're spot on with that. So I uh, yeah. set, set the alarm for 10 to 5. My discipline that I've been really working on is no snooze because I used to be very bad for it. So it's like 10 to yeah. up on the first one. That's that's the drive. Some, some days it doesn't work, but that's what I've <laughs> been trying to do. And then um, it depends. During winter time, you just want to try and get the lights on as bright as possible because yeah. the signals that it sends to the body in terms of resetting their scheduled rhythms and you know, just trying to get into, into that part of cycle, very, very useful. Uh, obviously, if it's during the summer, then you can hopefully go outside for a little bit of time, yeah. hydrate, exercise, 
and try and exercise 40 minutes to 70 minutes depending on um you know what's going on at work and then yeah you know go go commute to work really so it's yeah you've you've had you've gotten quite a few steps you've done quite a few things you're at your desk at 8 30 with yeah. a lot of boxes ticked which is what i like because i hate it's the it goes back to the anxiety thing so if i'm at my desk and it's like okay it's 8 30 and i've got nothing done yet you know i'm like oh this is a lot to get in now whereas if i can you know get up at you know earlier than everyone else's so slack isn't going off no whatsapp's going on, on my phone i can yeah. get some things done it's a like, cool i'm in a really good place for today and then that's it just you know it takes a load of the mind yeah i i, I totally hear you i mean this as it's time of recording very timely i was up this morning you know just before five so so my routine is, is you know if I, if I don't exercise i do yoga or some stretching exercise i need i need to do something um but uh, then i meditate for 20 minutes every morning um, and this morning I was at my desk at six o'clock, right? And a lot of people go like, this is crazy, right? But, you know, I get all my emails done, you know, as you say, there's nothing incoming, right? Yes. There's, there's no one else up, right? So you get actually work done, right? So, so it's a whole, you know, pipeline reviews this morning, right? This is brilliant. You know, 7.30, you wake up the family, you know, then you spend half an hour, you know, if you see, chasing the teenagers to get off bed, right? <laughs> and then they go off to school. And and you go like oh yeah it's now eight thirty I can actually work and and to your point eight thirty is still before everyone else starts right you ticked so many boxes already and you you, you feel good about it although I'm, I just mentioned it on LinkedIn and funny enough to, today again always happens in time but someone said oh yeah five AM routine is great right but it's obviously not for everyone right yeah I keep forgetting who wrote this book say five AM right it's like what you need to do. And it's bullshit, right? If 6 a.m. works for you or 10 a.m., whatever works for you, you need to have your your schedule, right? Yeah, I think it's, it's the biggest thing in life, right? Everyone's going to do what's right by them. It's the same exactly. thing as like, this big drive that everyone should be a founder. Everyone should be have six yeah. side hustles going on at any one time. You know, these yeah, things yeah. are just narratives, right? Everyone's going to figure out what, what what's good for them. So with um, just going back to Slack, and whatsapp and uh, i mean that that sort of one thing that I, I really do struggle with is constant inputs you know when you're you know when you're trying to get something done and um yeah usually from volker <laughs> and and well yeah you know it, it's like well so how do you manage that i mean do you have like set times where you check all your notifications or I mean, because I with Volker, it, you know, he's he can be a bit of a machine where he'll, you know, literally be doing three things at once. And I'm like, no, I need to, you know, set aside that time. Then I'll go through my WhatsApp messages. And, you know, it, it's, I, even if, you know, yeah, I try, I have to try and segment as much as possible. Interesting. Which means that, Sometimes things get missed completely, which uh, is usually what Volker's WhatsApp messages are about. So, you know. I see you all, you see? <laughs> yeah, I keep yeah, right. You know, I just spec on the work. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, how how do you sort of manage things like that? Especially as, you know, I'm guessing you probably, as a founder, uh, you're going to get a lot more messages and be on a lot more Slack channels than I am. Yeah, I mean, I think the reality is that it, it's, uh, you know, there's so much stuff coming in that you've got to try and deal with it as and when. Um, obviously, really low priority stuff. You can just, you know, read it and sometimes it will get missed. Not that I'm saying your WhatsApp's a low priority, Volker. 
Uh, but you know, sometimes things things will get missed on that part. Um, but that's why I like to be up so early because that is before the messages start coming in. Because otherwise, you know, I, I am so distracted that you know the reality of the situation is from nine a.m. till five p.m. That might be work time. But that's distraction time, right? That's when you're not getting work done. That's when you've got a million emails coming, conversations. You're going to help with different things. You know, connected. We're now. Um, yeah, thirty-five people in the UK. We've got fourteen in Krakow. We've got five in Mumbai. So it, it, you know, it's it's crazy. There's so much going on. Um, so so yeah, you know, I, that's why I want to be up really early before before it all kicks off. So does that give you time then to 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 answer the Slack messages, for instance? So you leave them until the next day, because you, if I say you can't cope with it, or no, no, I've got it. I'll deal with them as they as they come up. I'll deal with them as they come up. So I'm I'm you know. So that's why I want to be up early because that's my only like protected time. Because once nine a.m. and hard work done, exactly. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, okay. Which, which is crazy to think, right? Because yeah, I mean, I I notice it, and and you know that, that's why I'm always trying trying to understand if I say ADHD and you know because I I get easily overwhelmed by just I mean I'm, I'm managing I don't know three four five six different email accounts right, which it's probably like ADHD but you know external ADHD because just. And and obviously, you know, Murphy's Law, sometimes it kicks off in all six and you've got, where the fuck do you start, right? Um, and, and you just have to work, <laughs> yeah, but you, you have to way, work your way through. I mean, but your you volume, as, you know, as, as David said, is probably a lot, lot higher than mine. And and then, you know, if I say both of you have challenges processing it, right? So how, how do you guys cope? I mean, if I can't cope, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it is tough for sure. It, it's really, really difficult. But I guess, you know, that's what you sign up for, you know. And, and I think um, it's, you know, being a founder at times is a thankless task. But absolutely, you know, you've, you've got to just, some sometimes you've got to try and be stoic about it, right? You can't right. change the fact that you're going to get 100, 100 messages an hour and that you, your day is just going to be chaos. Um, but what yeah. you can change is getting up really early to have that protected time. You know, so it's 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 almost like a you know you you just could deal with them. I think that's also where the discipline really helps. You know, that discipline yeah. of waking up at that time, the discipline of not drinking, doing all those things. That's the same discipline you're going to use when saying, "I know this is a horrendous, you know, a hundred messages coming out. I know I've just got to do it." You know, you, same reason yeah, to do yeah. cold showers, right? Oh, who, who does you do cold showers as well? Yeah, 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 I do cold showers as well. Hot shower than cold shower, but yeah. Uh, I've uh, I've just um, I've just invested in I'm in well I haven't done it recently but I'm quite into cold water um, open water swimming nice and ah uh, I was going to sign up for a cold water swimming like season but it coincided well at the time I was like oh no it coincides with my son's football and it turns out it hasn't so in some ways I feel like I've dodged a bullet but. What I'm trying to get around to saying is that um, on one of the open water swimming Facebook groups I'm on, this guy sells these barrels. Yeah. So, and, um, and I've just ordered myself one. So um, so I think we're going to have to do a... Uh, Let me know. Let me know. On a cold water immersion. But, um, yeah. Because I've, I've only done the cold shows. I've never actually done the ice stuff. Uh, but I've been seeing these adverts for these 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 tubs. So you got to let me know how they are. I will do. I will do. Have you? Um, I don't suppose. I know Volker doesn't watch uh, as much television as I do. And by the sounds of it, you're a busy man, so maybe you don't. But um, on National Geographic, there's a, a series of Chris Hemsworth called Limitless. 
and he's basically going and it goes through all the science and stuff but i mean one of the things he did was i think 250 yards swim in the arctic and it's but i mean it is sort of you know fascinating like i mean well i've i've maybe we're getting a bit sort of out there now but um i mean i've always thought that mankind massively underestimates the power of water uh you know because we are water but i just think yeah if you're not feeling great if you have a glass of water or you have a shower you instantly feel better yeah yeah no doubt about it Hy- hydration's another key one right to just uh feeling the best that you can absolutely but it's um yeah you know it's the thing with cold showers is they never get easier right every day it's shit every day it's the last thing you want to do um but it's again it's just building that discipline and it's the same thing of like i do not want to deal with 100 slack messages but yeah you just try to build on the resilience right i i i don't personally i don't get these cold showers it's one of the things you know you read all these per- I, I mean i don't know how many personal development books i read right and, and how much advice i give on lots of various topics when i when i coach people but I know um, Alex from the Moment Company and the co-founder alongside Fiona who was on our podcast. He does these cold ice baths and, and he has one of these barrels. And I have so much respect for him. You know, there, there was someone on LinkedIn recently. Um, I think for every like or for every comment, he was donating money or something. I don't remember who it was. Or, or would sit in the bath a minute longer. I don't know what it was. Right. It's just not there for me at all. <laughs> have you tried it? Um I mean, just a slight colder shower than normal, yes, but I wouldn't want to. I mean, I, I get, I had this longer discussion with with, with with Alex actually about that. When when I'm in the um when I'm in the gym and I shower after the gym, when I turn the water slightly colder after the sauna, it's almost it comes out a lot colder and then it goes slightly warmer again. Yeah, and just this little bit, this two seconds where it's colder. I just hate it. It's just not for me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's. Once you get, you know, it's not, it's never going to be enjoyable, right? It's not an enjoying <laughs> thing for sure. But um, yeah, it's like the dopamine you get after it and like that extended dopamine you get. It's, it's painful. It's horrible, but it feels great after. It feels really good after. Well, I, so, I mean, the, well, the, the only time I've really done anything like that, I am, um, well, swam in the sea in Brighton in February. And I mean, like, I, I, and you know, it wasn't in that long, but yeah, I just you know, I I described it as almost like being, well, I'm not a religious person, but being baptized, being reborn. You know, I I did feel completely different, and I guess the thing is, you've got to think about how well it's just like running. You know, the number of times where it's like you can't be bothered to go out for a run. It's like, well, actually, I know how great I'm gonna feel when I come back. But running, running in the rain or running in the mud, you know, yes, you feel better, come home, you have a nice warm shower. <laughs> but a cold shower, you know, it's not, not for me. But yeah. you know, as, as you say, you know, it's not for everyone. <laughs> We've pretty much come to the end now. Yeah, unfortunately we did, Roy. That, that was very enjoyable. Any last, if I say any last recommendation, we, you, I mean, you gave us so many, or if I say us and, and the listeners, so many points in terms of, you know, what, what it's like. Any other advice for, for founders with, if I say, ADHD? I mean, you do a great, you know, a, a, where can people find out more about you? We, you know, and connected, I think maybe shameless pluck, just, just talk about it. I, I have an interest in it. But yeah. um, 
also you, you do an excellent newsletter, an excellent newsletter where, where you talk about your challenges, which how I found out right about your ADHD, which is, you know, why I got in touch and said, you know, I, I love to talk to you on, on the podcast. Um, so definitely people need to subscribe to that. You do that on LinkedIn, but yeah, sh shameless pluck. I mean, what, what, what else can bonus do? connected. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, please, please check out, um, all the stuff that I do on, on LinkedIn, find us at connected.co as well. Uh, in terms of that newsletter, I'm trying to share all the things that I wish I, I knew when I was a first time founder, uh, also yeah. we, we got really fortunate and did take that business to acquisition, but there was, you know, so many things I did wrong, uh, which I, which I wish I had done differently. Uh, so I'm just trying to share as much of that knowledge, uh, as possible. And that's really one of the reasons we built connected as well, just, uh, help as many founders, help as many investors as possible, um, you know, understand what best practices and understand what good looks like. Um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. I really, really appreciate it. It's been, uh, it's been, it's been super fun. Yeah, brilliant. No, thank you. And we That's didn't even great. need a beer to enjoy ourselves. I know, I know. I know. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much, you guys. Really appreciate yes. it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Feel free to reach out to Volker or David via our website, www.manupdown.com or podcast at manupdown.com with any feedback or to let us know what topics you'd like us to cover in the future. Hear you again soon.